Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. For one more week, the favorites stay alive once again. It was Texas, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Oklahoma still staying in the Big 12 championship hunt. This is the Big 12 Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors. A late instant reaction episode today, wild, crazy, and an ultimately predictable day in the Big 12 Conference, which has set up potentially a chalk final weekend in the league or potentially a chaotic, crazy final weekend in the league in the Big 12 Conference. Make sure you all find this podcast wherever you all get your podcasts. You guys can find us uh, here on YouTube as well. Like the videos, subscribe to the channel here. Crystal Ball College Football is the channel. Also, 365 Sports is the mothership, if you will, of this operation. So, you know, I, I think when I when I look back on this day, I'll think about how all the favorites were tested in a pretty significant way. Uh, all betting favorites won today. Every single betting favorite in the Big 12 Conference came out with a victory. Now, it none of them cruise. I mean, besides West Virginia, there was not a single favorite that actually cruised to a win. Like, even the TCU game was was tight in the beginning there, and they eventually stretched that thing out. But in the beginning, that was tough. I mean, it was, it was definitely tough for them uh, to get that win. Obviously, we saw K-State. You know, like, think about this, too. Uh, Texas does cover, but Oklahoma does not cover. Kansas State does not cover. For most of the game, Oklahoma State was not covering. And then Texas Tech did not cover, right? So we had a bunch of favorites win. I count by that uh, count, we got Oklahoma, one, K-State is two, uh, and then Texas Tech, three. Like, you don't get a weekend where three teams win games but also don't cover. And then Oklahoma State, once again, too. Like, that, that's one of those games where they win the game, but it didn't feel like they were covering for most of it. So all of these favorites were tested. And if you watched across the board this weekend – and you asked yourself what stood out. Folks, you all do not like this show. The reason why people do not like this show, a lot of the criticisms are of how complimentary I have been of Texas football. It is time to give them their flowers. Their first 10 win regular season since 2009 came. And today they got Iowa State's best shot and they survived it. And it was up and it was down. There were injuries. Uh, obviously, Iowa State doesn't want to hear about that because they've lost guys due to the betting scandal earlier in the season. But Texas deserves credit because whether it's been Quinn Ewers, whether it's been Malik Murphy, whether it's been the run game, whether it's been Jonathan Brooks or whatever they've had to rely on, they have grinded their way to a 10-win season. Was it always pretty? No. Some of that was their own doing. A lot of that was their own doing recently. Tonight, they just get their flowers. 2016 or 26 to 16 victory over Iowa State on the road. That was Iowa State's best shot. Iowa State was prepared. They were ready to play. And uh, there were plenty of moments across the game where, you know, it felt like Iowa State could grab some momentum, but Texas kept them at bay. Whether it was they had made some penalties, obviously, turnovers too hurt Texas, but they kept themselves in the game. They ultimately had the talent advantage to help them pull in front. And the Longhorns, 
by hook or by crook have gotten themselves to 10 wins. And I want to mention this in context of the league as a whole. They should be here. Texas on its own in terms of recruiting and talent level should be competing for and winning big 12 championships, right? They should be at this point. Um, now they have not been doing that outside of that though. We have to mention the fact that this league has been cyclical. So like the fact that it's Texas's moment, it makes a lot of sense. And look, they still have one more weekend to go. Obviously the tie break situation is, is a, is a strange one, right? And Oklahoma needs some things to go their way to, for them to get into the big 12 championship game. Right. So there's still a whole lot left to be decided, but man, like Texas, it was, it's been their time. It's been their moment and they've seized that. And across the board last couple of years, like we've talked about teams having their moment. K-State, it was their moment last year. They seized it. Ups and downs, all of it. They seized it. The one difference with Texas is Texas has seized this moment. And even without Jonathan Brooks, even though Tavondre Sweat goes down, even though they had to play with Malik Murphy, even though they've shot themselves in the foot copious times this season, they are in position to win a Big 12 championship. They are also still in position for the college football playoff. And so that should be respected and lauded. You all can dislike the video all you want to. You all can crap on my analysis all you want to. Nobody could run the ball on these guys all year long. And I always say this. If you can't stop the run, pack up and go home. If you stop the run every single game like Texas does, it's not pack up and go home with the other team, but man, you have to have a lot go right to win the game. Texas has given so many teams opportunities to be in, potentially win games, but have they? No, because like you are pretty one note when you play them. You need them to screw up. You need them to turn the ball over and you need to throw the ball against them, which you can do, but like you cannot run the ball against these guys. You can't do it. And so credit to them, Steve Sarkeesian for recruiting this team. Credit to him for coaching this team up. And like their hardest games are still ahead of them. Tech is a hungry animal and their defense has been playing a lot better and they're on a winning streak and they're bowl eligible. And they've kind of rallied this group right now to a point where, Hey, they're not a great team, but they're a good team and they're a hot team. And so they have to look out for that. And they're going to have a big 12 title game as well, too, where they might have to stop a, a dominant force in Ollie Gordon coming up here pretty soon. And then after that, they're going to have, you know, if they make the college ball playoff, it's going to be a big time challenge. And obviously we know Oregon and Washington still have to play. We know Florida State just lost Jordan Travis today. We know Alabama and uh, Ohio State still have to play. We know uh, excuse me, Alabama and uh, um, Georgia still have to play. We know Ohio State and Michigan still have to play. There is a lot ahead of them. I mean, there's there's a team behind them in Alabama who has to play a team ahead of them in Georgia. There is two teams ahead of them in Oregon and Washington who have to play. There is a team ahead of them in Michigan, a team ahead of them in Ohio State that they both have to play as well too. And also one of them can't play in the championship game. Obviously, either Oregon or Washington uh, you know, will not be a conference champion by the time that's all said and done. Rights to only be one conference champion there. And then Florida State is now without their quarterback, Jordan Travis, after the ankle injury. The hardest games, most likely for Texas, are still in front of them. And there are some serious questions about their ability to succeed in those games. But to this point, generally speaking, they deserve credit, whether you like it or not. Now, I think it just makes sense in terms of this league. 
the last three seasons, we have had six different teams play for the Big 12 championship game. Uh, it looks like we are about to get our seventh in Texas, but we're not going to get our eighth and our most. And, and uh, you know, that that the reason why is Oklahoma State's about to go back. It looks like if they win next week and you have to give them credit for getting to that spot and being in that situation. Right. And uh, it's not Texas going to multiple Big 12 championship games. It's teams like Oklahoma State going to multiple Big 12 championship games. Right. So those schools deserve respect for doing the stuff that Texas could not do. And that is win with consistency. So that should be lauded in the same breath that even if Texas does win the league this year, we should be cognizant of the fact that it was their time, but like they were not having a good time of it before, if you will. They were not having success before. This is not some goodbye. We were always better than you all if they win the entire thing. It's a like it was your turn because that's the way this conference works is everybody takes turns. They should be better than they have been. Oklahoma, their performance in the Big 12 Conference on the whole is what Texas should have been, in my opinion. That is where the Longhorns should have been living. The Sooners did live there and for the most part did live up and maybe even exceeded those expectations with how often they won Big 12 championships. Texas did not, but that does not mean they should be discounted for what they are doing this season. And that gets us to their counterpart, Oklahoma State, 43-30 to 30 today. Um, what cost them in this, or what ultimately helped them in this game, obviously, was Ollie Gordon, 25 for 164 and three scores. But they eventually settled this game down. They forced a big turnover interception they had going the other way. It was a huge one that kind of got the momentum going. And I live bet the hell out of Oklahoma State at halftime. And I'm not saying that to be like, Josh is so smart. Great job, Josh. What I'm trying to tell you all is that you could tell this game was heading in a certain direction by the time that we hit the half. I was watching my buddy Bryson. And Bryson doesn't follow the Big 12. He watched a lot of football. But Bryson didn't follow the Big 12 like, you know, like, like a lot of us do. And he goes, this game's over. Oklahoma State's got this game in the bag. And it was late. Look, Houston had the ball down six. Like, they could have done it. But just Oklahoma State, you know, I would say them not icing the game going up two scores is like kind of an indication of like that's that's not who they are. They're not that top level killer team, pedal to the metal, you know, just just finish them off squad. They don't have that kind of personnel. But when this game got rocky, their ability to start blocking the shit out of out of Houston, for lack of a better term, I mean, it, it, that's the side of the game. We've got all right. We've got the best player on the field. He wears number zero. He's in white. Let's give him the rock. And let's block for him well, too. And I actually thought at times Ollie was a bit hesitant in this game. I thought some of his best runs were due to the fact the offensive line for Oklahoma State cleared out just some chasms. And he hit those holes and ran really well. I thought Alan Bowman, for the most part, was really good. They're starting to be able to throw the ball down the field. Brennan Presley was phenomenal in this game. He is a veteran player that you can put in different spots. And here's the thing, guys. like Brennan Presley, for as small as he is, gets a ton of tough yardage. So when you see a guy like that get tough yardage, like it's, you know, it's not just, hey, slot quickness. He jukes a guy and then sticks a guy and gets the first down. That's a veteran player. That's an old player. It's a tough player. It's a strong player. It puts all the work in. You can just tell. Like he embodies Oklahoma State football. Ollie's got the flash. Brennan Presley, though, for I mean, his entire career has been what Oklahoma State football is all about. Last year, 67, you know, his entire career, guys, 2,000 yards as a whole, 15 touchdowns and he's having another great season this year. 
obviously. And you had an extra five touchdowns. He's had a rush in the football as well, too. I mean, 20 total touchdowns, you know, in his illustrious, I would say, career. And he actually has got a, another year of eligibility if he wants that 2020 being his uh, his first season. So Presley's got a chance to keep on playing if he would like to at Oklahoma State. And at 5'8", I know he doesn't have the best NFL measurables. Uh, he's got a spot in the league, in my opinion, but also he's got a spot in this league whenever he wants it, right? Oklahoma State's run defense, too, not excellent. Houston doesn't run the ball very well, but they stop them enough. And when you make a team like Houston, like Houston's a good passing team, but if you make them one note, it's just challenging because like they they can't settle a game down because they can't run the ball. And we talked about that with Texas Tech. You know, that's the one thing Texas Tech has really corrected. Texas Tech can settle games down. Houston can't, right? So when they get they take leads like they did today, they just have a really difficult time of settling a game down and chewing some clock and trying to, you know, uh, stay the momentum of the game. And so it's a huge problem for them. But Oklahoma State rallying back, finishing strong. And they won by two scores, but like, you know, they, they took them some time. Like they they did give Houston some opportunities to get back into this game. Uh, but Oklahoma State bounces back after getting shellacked. Eight and three, six and two in the league. And they're staring down a chance, obviously now at nine wins next week and, and a chance to, you know, to, to book that trip to the Big 12 championship game. Texas is still better than them. They've got a shot because they have Ollie, and they have a shot because who their coach is. Uh, but they are they're the firm number two. They are the firm number two. And let's talk about those teams that are also in the fight as well. So let's discuss Kansas and Kansas State in what was a really strange affair. 31-27. You know, these rivalry games have had a bit of one-way traffic to them, obviously, with how good Kansas State has been uh, in the Sunflower Showdown, right? Last time that Kansas has won was uh, pre-2010s, right? This one was bizarre, and it was weird. And man, I have to say, like, the effort of Kansas with Cole Ballard is really impressive. And we've known this, and it's good to reiterate it again. Devin Neal is an absolute star. Usually in games where they run for 5.7 a carry and he's got three scores, they usually win. Obviously, the mistakes did them in a bit, but Cole Boward was competitive. He kept them in this game in, in a pretty obvious and significant way. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, you know, that one drive at the end of the game, they were on Kansas State's 11-yard line and the, the, the interception there. But he deserves a lot of credit, and this is still a good Kansas team. We all know it's a good Kansas team. The quarterback injuries were difficult, and obviously Jason Bean, according to Lance Leipold, was cleared. But the big issue here being, you know, I think there was some concerns about the leg and the head, and I think it's a good – you know, I saw the hit last week, guys. Like, I, I, I did not want him to play this week, to be honest. Um, but for Kansas State, you know, Will Howard was not excellent. They ran the ball well enough. They forced enough turnovers. I mean, this game, to be honest, was won in the margins. K-State was not excellent, but here's what they were. They were better on third down. They committed less penalties, and they turned the ball over less. Usually in games like this that are tight, in games like this that are touch and go, that's the difference. Eight for 15 on third down. KU was five for 11. Um, in terms of, uh, uh, penalties, they only had two for 30. Kansas was five for 59 turnovers, one for K state three for Kansas. 
So those margins were the difference in a game where it felt like it was just a rough and tumble rivalry game. K state was the, uh, the more resilient group. I am not going to take anything away. Like, yeah, if Bean played, it's a different game. If Daniels plays, it's a different game. Sure. But they didn't. And Kansas's effort, despite that man was just so impressive. But K-State needs to get a lot of credit for going out and gutting. And like, guys, Kansas is is Kansas is different now. This is a good Kansas program. Like last year in the second half of the season, they sucked. They were not good. They were giving up tons of points. Their offense was good, but they were giving up tons of points. You're seeing it even in these losses. Like, look at look at what happened in the Oklahoma State game. They fought and scratched and clawed. Okay, so they so the inflection point last year was a TCU game for them. This year. 40 to 14 loss against Texas on September 30th. They're four and one. They just absolutely house UCF 51 22 in the following game. Unbelievably fun back and forth game against Oklahoma State. I thought they should have won 39 32. They lose. They bounce back and beat OU 38 33. They go on the road to Jack Trice and win 28 21. They lose Jason Bean the next week, but still rally 16 13 loss. And they had Cole Boward the entire way against K-State, their big rival, who has owned them, and they lose 31-27. I'm interested next week. I think they can beat uh, Cincinnati even with Cole Boward. I think they've got a very good opportunity to do that. I don't know how much interest Cincinnati will have in the game next week. Um, So they deserve a lot of credit. And Kansas State, guys, this team to me is pretty clearly not as good as the 2022 Kansas State Wildcats, Big 12 championship team, obviously. But that being said, what is the record of Kansas State? They are 8-3. and three. They are 6-2 and two in the league. They have a chance to win, get their ninth win next week in Farmageddon, a game in which they will be fav- uh, uh, favorites in at home. I think they're like 13-point favorite. I think that's what it was. I checked earlier. It's, it's a pretty big spread. Um yeah, I think it's a pretty big spread. They are, let's see, double checking now. Do 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 going forward. I at least double digit spread. And I mean Iowa State played really a game tonight. So maybe maybe that that gets some adjustment after the uh the way Iowa State played. But K-State's got the chance to basically do what they did last year. Now, is it guaranteed they will go to the Big 12 championship game? Well, clearly they have to fight for that. They they have to get their way there, and they are not there at this point in time. Uh, they're gonna need some help to get there. At this point in time, right? They're going to need some 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 tiebreak. I'm sure they can get in now. At this point in time, whatever it is, you know, the Big 12 tiebreaker is uh is uh, eluding me at this point in time. Uh, but just like generally speaking, like guys, like they're right there, right? They they are in the spot in the situation. They can obviously, as a collective, like still achieve their yeah. They, they, they can get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Oklahoma and and Oklahoma State both lose, they're in, right? And I actually don't even know what the tiebreaker is for them and the Sooners together. Um, so they've got a chance, man. They still have a really good opportunity. And even if they don't go to the big 12 championship game, like they still have a chance to win 10 games and another 10 win season. I know it doesn't have the pomp and circumstance around it that what last year did, but the fact that I think this group is discernibly worse at wide receiver, they're not as good at running back. Their defense is not as good as it was last season. They lost an NFL, a first round NFL pass rusher. Uh, they lost their, obviously their stud middle linebacker. They lost NFL corners. Like they lost all of that stuff and they're still right here. And the league might be down short, but they're six and zero at home. Obviously away has been a different story, but the last game is going to be at home. And so this K-State team has performed the way you'd want them to. 
Um, K-State delivered this season, and I think in this game, what we kind of wanted a Big 12 champion to do. Um, this is the best performance out of the six schools that made the Big 12 championship game the following season, this and then Oklahoma's 2021, where they lost to Oklahoma State last week of the season in Bedlam to miss out in the playoffs the year where Caleb Williams took over, or miss out on the on the uh, the championship game. Like th- those are the two best performances. And I think that Oklahoma team was uh, still equipped well enough. This K-State team's worse, but the coaching's been really good. And their losses have been slim. The margins have been very, very slim. Even in some of those games, they were outplayed. So K-State deserves a ton of credit for what they have achieved this year and the resilience they showed in a game like this. And hey, they're one potentially you know choice decision in the Texas game or one play away in a game they had no business being, but that's what good programs do. They elevate to the moment, they rise to the moment, and they have not gotten crapped on this year. They have not gotten blown out this year. It felt like they were getting blown out against Oklahoma State. They weren't. Uh, they ended up making a one-score game in the end. Uh, they kept it close to defense. Uh, the Texas game, they should have been blown out, but a couple mistakes, they turned that thing around, they were right there, and they are able to make that, you know, make that game, obviously, uh, you know, super, super close. Um, and the last loss for them as well, too, you know, about that Texas, you know, Texas game, Oklahoma State game, and then the Missouri game, I mean, just right there, Razor's Edge, that's a home game for them, they win. They won that home game by a lot of points last year. So uh, still a great performance from them, and they should be lauded for that as well. Um, that gets us now to another interesting result on the day. Oklahoma still in the title race, 31-24. Man, this is not good for Oklahoma. And Dylan Gabriel goes out of the game. Jackson Earl gets in. A win's a win's a win's a win's a win. But Oklahoma has a very good opportunity to have one of the least impressive 10-2s and we've seen in a while. After what I saw from Josh Hoover this week, Oklahoma is incredibly beat. Like, they better watch the hell out next week. Because TCU needs to win to make a bowl game, and TCU could beat Oklahoma. They BYU does not outplay anybody. They have, they have, I mean, you look at the games this year, guys, like they, their wins, they beat Arkansas. Arkansas had a 90 plus percent post game win expectancy. So this is not a team that's outplaying a lot of people. They outplayed Oklahoma today. They a hundred percent did. If, if Slovis is the quarterback and not Red and Red had his moments, but like just crippling turnovers, I mean, that fumble at midfield when nobody's around is terrible. Good read by Billy Bowman, sure, but like horrific throw on that pick six. And Oklahoma, even with all those opportunities, could never generate separation. BYU let Oklahoma do to them what they've done to some teams in their wins. I mean, Oklahoma, besides being good on third down today, uh, BYU outgained them. BYU was the better rushing team. The big difference was BYU had the three turnovers that ultimately flipped the way this game looked. They flipped the complexion of this game with those turnovers. And look, BYU is not a good enough team to overcome that. But damn, Oklahoma, damn. You're letting Aiden Robbins go for 22 for 182 on you? Seriously? And here's the thing, guys. His longest run was 25. So that means that Oklahoma was giving up like pretty decent-sized run plays most of the time he was carrying the rock. This is this is going to be a fraudulent ass 10 and 2. I mean, what else do you want to say about it? This is and Oklahoma's put the screws to some teams. They really have. That Texas win is freaking fantastic. But I think this shows like this team still has a long way to go. 
And it's crazy to think, but like, this is, I mean, if I think about them, this is down here in the SEC, but like what, where Oklahoma would stack up in the Southeastern conference this year, guys, they're not better than Alabama. They're not better than Georgia. They're not better than Missouri. They're not better than LSU. They might not be better than Ole Miss. They might not be better than, you know, I mean, take your pick of Kentucky. They might not be better than Florida after what we saw tonight. Right. So like they had the benefit of a, of a really easy schedule. I mean, think about like the, the, the hardest game they had was Texas neutral, right? But their road games were at Oklahoma, uh, at, uh, at Cincinnati, at Kansas, which was a loss at Oklahoma state, which was a loss and at BYU, which they almost lost. And their road game against Cincinnati was not impressive. And Cincinnati's like the worst team in the league. So the Iowa state win was great. The Texas win was great, but like, this has not been a convincing year for them. Outside of that win against Texas, I would say that the West Virginia win is the most convincing win for them this year. And it sucked to see Gabriel go down, but like they, their receivers could not get open, which is, is wild to me. It's absolutely wild to see Oklahoma. Like Drake Stoops is not getting a ton of separation. He's their best wide receiver and God love him. But like you're Oklahoma, man, you're Oklahoma. That should not be the case. The, uh, BYU has been getting ragdolled by everybody they've played. Like, and, and even if they've won some of the games, guys, these results have not been good. And BYU's effort today was fantastic. They played a really good game. They did. Once again, those turnovers are what killed them. And that, that's just on like one guy, mostly. Right? It's kind of like a lot of those turnovers fall on one dude. But they're on a currently uh, four-game winning, a losing streak, 35-6 to six against Texas, 37-7 to seven against uh, West Virginia, 45-13 against Iowa State. Guys, they scored 26 points in three weeks. 26 points in three weeks while giving up, let's see, 30, I mean, you know, 35, 37, 45. So they give up over 100 and, uh, 110 plus points. I mean, you know, this is not a team that's playing good, good, good football. And with the back quarterback, you let them, I mean, they should have, they should have won the game. Like there's a, there is a, maybe not in the end, I guess, but like there is an argument for why BYU should have won the game. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's a reason why Oklahoma's lost the games they have. Like, you can rank them whatever you want to. That Texas win is phenomenal. It's amazing. But that game is weird. It's always weird. You get credit for that. But that was a long time ago. And, and I mean, but the West Virginia game is a great result for them. But, like, outside of that, it's not been considerable performances. I, I respect the grind. I really do. Um, I, I really didn't say, hey, well, Josh, Texas is grinding too. Yeah, but Texas only has one loss. So, like, and it's, it's off a last-second drive. And they have a win in Tuscaloosa too. Like that's a neutral site game between OU and Texas. So um, yeah, man, I mean, OU like credit to winning. And also Jackson Arnold uh, burns a red shirt too. So that, that's big there. But yeah, I mean, Oklahoma won in the margins and, and they should have. They should have. They're a better team. So they, 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 they deserve to win. Uh, let's talk a little Neil Brown if we could. So I tweeted this out today. I'll stand by it. I think it's good to say it. I think we're all clear in this front. West Virginia wins 42-21 over Cincinnati. This was a wire-to-wire ass-whipping. This game wasn't close. Uh, Cincinnati scores 14 points the fourth quarter in a 42-21 game. Uh, It was 14-0 in the fourth, so that means it was 42-7 heading into the fourth quarter. That that game's over, right? Um, West Virginia ran for for over nine yards of carry, uh, five touchdowns. Jaheim White went for 201. Garrett Green won 154 in three scores. Uh, Justin Johnson was six for 42. Cedar Donaldson, five for 20 in a, in a score as well, too. I mean, everybody got in on the act. 
And um, this game was not close because they beat the crap out of them out front. Also, Jaheim White gets a receiving touchdown, but it was uh, or a touchdown it was receiving. He on the day has 22 touches for 279 and a score. 75-yard touchdown catch. 47-yard run is his longest. So a great day. Or excuse me, the running and the passing touchdown too. Uh, running and, and, uh, and receiving. But um, yeah, this is a, I mean, talk about Neil Brown. Like I, I visit this a lot, but I want to go back to it again. In August, us having this conversation right now was not a place where we all thought we would be. So this was a dead man walking. And it's funny because like you even see the clip of Kirk Herbstreet floating around today being like, it's a lame duck situation. And it was, but here's the thing, guys, like Neil Brown had a choice to make. I said this after the pit game, and I want to keep saying this, and they've taken their lumps this year. They've had some bad losses, but still they, they rebound, they fight. And Neil Brown had a decision to make about like how this thing was going to go, right? How is his West Virginia potentially ending going to be, or is it going to be the end? And he said, give me the play calls, give me the play sheet, give me Garrett Green, and let's ride. Give me these players, let's ride. And they have a chance to win nine games. They have Baylor next week. They um, they win that game, which everybody's beating Baylor right now. They're going to have a chance, obviously, after the season is over uh, to go to a bowl game and win nine games. And uh, that is, you know, I, I thought it would take something ridiculous to get Neil Brown to save a job. I'm already doing it now because you get one more year of Garrett Green and you get some more, more of these guys too. Like they've got a really good shot of being good again next year, especially if you remove Oklahoma and Texas from the league. They've got a very good shot at being a good team. And think about one of their losses too. Like they played Penn State the first week of the season. Guys, if they played Penn State now, like that's, I mean, Penn State's got a physical defense and that'd be a tough game for them. But like Penn State's not dog walking West Virginia. That, that's a really close game now. West Virginia has come along a really far way. If Rutgers could play Penn State that close on the road, we know West Virginia could do it too. That's a good football team. They do not have the personnel a lot of teams have. They do have the heart. They do have schematically. They've been fantastic this year, and they've got some. They got some really good playmakers in the backfield. Garrett Green can do a little bit of both, man, and he made some good throws today. A couple drops in there too. Like the intermediate's a challenge for him, obviously, but he's starting to get better. He's he's improving. He's getting a full another off season too. They have some confidence. They're gonna be a dangerous team next year. They're gonna be a dangerous team next season. So Neil Brown seven and four, five and three in the league guarantees them a winning record in Big Twelve play. Whether it's eight or nine wins, guys, I don't know how much it's going to be, but like he's earned uh, at least another year. And look, he he was in a hole, so he needed to dig himself out. But like at this point in time, it's pretty hard to say they have not gotten better. And, and look, like if we if they lose to Baylor next week, we never talk about what that means and how it looks and what the issues are. But like I don't expect that to happen. And look where they are right now. Just kind of look at it right now and, and think about where they are. Uh, another team in the Big Twelve clinches bowl eligibility today. That was the Texas Tech Red Raiders. I keep saying today I'm recording this on, on Saturday night, obviously. 24-23. And what was a, you scored 14, we scored 14, and then became a defensive <laughs> defensive uh, classic in the second half. But what ends, and this was, guys, this was, um, calamity is kind of the right way to say this. Like, there were some really bad possessions in the second half. Five plays, 25 yards, interceptions, interception for, uh, um, uh, Texas Tech in a 14-14 game. We then had a missed field goal from uh, with some interception, missed field goal, punt, interception, touchdown, field goal, field goal, touchdown, end of game with Texas Tech having the ball there at the end. And the big difference, and I'll keep talking about this over and over again, but the big difference is the ability to run the football with Taj Brooks. 
Um, we did not see Cameron Valdez. So this was a pretty much solely um, Taj Brooks day. I mean, Baron Morton had three carries, but it was 24-182 on the ground today for Taj Brooks. And so this was a grind, but I, I know it's UCF. I know they're not the most physical team in the world, but I wanted to see a team like Texas Tech, this team specifically, win a game like this. I wanted to see them get into a fist up in the, you know, kind of in the, in the pocket, if you will, to use a boxing term, slug it out, get the victory type game. And they, they were the last team standing. Should they have been? I mean, you can go back and forth on that. It's a weird game, but like they were the last team standing and they have been the last team standing the last, what, three weeks. Like they're not smoking teams. They're not dog walking teams. Seven point win against TCU when they get Morton back. Three point win against KU without their back, their backup quarterback and on third string. And then a one point win today at home. But, you know, hey man, like you win three games by 11 points. You still won three straight games. You still went from three and five in the overall to six and five and going to a bowl. You went from two and three overall in the league to five and three in the league and guaranteeing yourself a winning season in the league, right? So that has to be acknowledged. And guys, Baron Morton's not all the way back. The broadcasters mention it every week, different broadcast crews. We're paying attention, seeing it. Like if that's the talk with different crews, and that's what we're seeing. I think it goes, uh, it's fair to say that obviously the shoulder's still bothering him. But the reason why I'm optimistic about Texas Tech, and honestly, guys, like it would have been great to see them in a Big 12 championship game. I would have loved it. But the reason why we should be optimistic about Texas Tech is this is that early in the season, they had a problem about throwing and throwing too often. And the fact that they would take a lead and would have given it back because their possessions weren't lasting long enough. They almost flipped the script and you know, they really had to with the injuries to the quarterback, but the commitment to the run game and they did it effectively was pretty big. They've gotten in some defensive games and they started to win those. Texas Tech needed to start winning games in different ways. And they're de- like, guys, Demerson's a difference maker. He just is. He's a difference maker up front. And then our uh, big Jalen Hutchings up front too, guys. Like He's a big difference maker as well. And so uh, I mentioned this on Friday's show. But the one thing about Texas Tech is that when Leach had it humming at top capacity, it wasn't always like six, 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 seven, 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 eight, 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 nine, 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 like nine wins. Success is not always linear. Success is not always Texas Longhorns, five and seven, eight and four, now 10 wins. That's not what it looks like. And so I think we should acknowledge that when we're discussing, you know, like winning. And I think it's huge for them. They're going to a bowl game. And I think the way they play next week is going to be impressive, important for them. And I think the bowl game is going to be big for them because building winning seasons is very important at Tech. And so I know despite everything that's happened this year, guys, for Texas Tech, after a one and three start, for them to go the rest of the way and go five and two is a very good result for them. And also, I still don't, th- I really don't think it hurts the, um, the trajectory of the program. I think because they're winning in different ways, like that shows growth. Now they need to get the personnel to keep doing that, but it's not like our quarterback shoulders shot and we can't win a game. I mean, you know, it's obviously it was tough against BYU and whatnot, but like they, they got Baron Morton back. It's not hundred percent. They're still able to move the rock effectively. I mean, look at Brooks in this, this string of games here, guys, especially since that Baylor game, uh, um, you know, you go 170 against Baylor, 
98 against K-State, 105 against BYU, and that's when they know they're running, he's running a bunch. 105, <coughs> excuse me, 146 against TCU, 133 against KU, and 182 in this game. I mean, it, you know, the, the guy is, they, they found their horse, they're blocking well, and Kitley is evolving as a play caller. So just because it could be, you know, look, they're dogs next week. They're most likely going to go six and six. It does not mean they're not making progress. I know they won eight games last year, but like in context, everything, everything happening, this team showed an ability to do something different. It was not one note and they beat some decent teams while doing it. Right. So I think that's impressive. That's important to me. That's kind of what get, and it looked like KU, no quarterback. Sure. UCF TCU down years, but like you are a good team because you're beating these mid tier teams and you're able to give them losses and you're not choking and you're not messing up uh, third string quarterback. Sure. Before that, it's fine. Yes. But you're not messing up. All right. Finally, one team that's still on the edge here. So congrats to them, obviously for getting the bowl eligibility. Um, teams next week fighting for bowl eligibility, BYU, uh, Houston's have been knocked out of that obviously today. Um, TCU and then UCF. So those three teams have a chance to get their way into a bowl game tomorrow. Three teams that are out, Cincinnati, uh, obviously Houston. And then I mentioned, he's mentioned before here. Uh, yeah, Cincinnati's out, Houston's out, and Baylor is out. So TCU 42 to 17. Uh, we got an answer to the question. Like, you know, I mentioned, hey, Josh Hoover should be the guy. At least give him a look, all those things. A little bit more of an answer to what Josh Hoover's status should be moving forward with the the Texas uh, Christian University uh, Horn Frogs. This kid's got a good chance of being their quarterback. And the one thing he did, which has been a problem for TCU in the past, he actually used a tight end. Jared Wiley probably has his best game, and this is his best game as a pass catcher, at least in my memory. Seven for 178 and two scores, uh, long of 81. Savion Williams had a nice game. Jalen Robbins had a nice game. J.P. Richardson had a nice game. They spread that ball around in a day where they did not run the ball effectively, only 3.3 yards per carry. Josh Hoover's 24 of 29 for 412 and two scores. I mean, that is about as good as it gets, right? Chandler Morris even saw some action because this game wasn't close. Uh, that is an evergreen statement. It was Max Duggan. And they were undefeated. It's the same now when they're five and six. But TCU next week, with Hoover at the helm and how good they've looked, they are a live dog. They've got a chance to make a bowl game, in my opinion, next week when they take on Oklahoma. And I think that would be kind of Sonny Dyke's coup de gras in the year. Hey, man, if they get the bowl eligibility and beat Oklahoma, uh, good on them. But I think they definitely have a shot. Like, that is not a game. I think Jackson Arnold will play, right? I think, the, you know, Dylan Gabriel hit his head. So, obviously, it's something we're going to track here. But big win for them. They look sharp. Uh, and so that's 11 a.m. game on Fox on Friday. But sets up a really interesting weekend. Here's what the big teams have. TCU, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and Texas on a Friday. Farmageddon is on Saturday with K-State and Iowa State. Uh, Kansas and Cincinnati, West Virginia and Baylor, Houston and UCF. Oklahoma State hosts BYU. Obviously, the games, you need to pay, the, the, the big games are this. Texas, if they win, you're in, you're good to go. Oklahoma, if you win, you put the pressure on the next day. They need a lot to happen and fall their way. That's how you want that to go. So Texas, uh, you know, hey man, like don't, last year, they put some pressure on, on Friday beating Baylor. K-State responds the next day and gets in. 
this year, Texas can say, hey, y'all fight for spot number two. We're good. We're in. So that is on them to do that. That is what they need. And, and Oklahoma, I think, desperately needs a tiebreaker with Texas. So they need a win and a Texas loss, I think, is what really helps them, right? They want to be 10 and 2. They want Texas to be 10 and 2. They want everybody else to lose so they get the tiebreak over Texas and they can get in there in that, that direction. That, that's, that's what they're hunting for, uh, obviously. But this week, because it was so fun and entertaining, sets up a huge week next week. Give us your thoughts. Fun day. Cool to see those teams fight and win. I enjoy the entire day. I'm, I'm, I'm wiped, guys. I mean, it's 1 a.m. Central Time right now, and I've been watching Big 12 football since 11 a.m. Central Time. So uh, I am. Uh, I'm very tired. I'm going to go to bed. Hope you all enjoy this show. Uh, you'll see it on Sunday. Uh, make sure you all follow us on Twitter at NWPod365. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You all can find the show wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. All right, folks. Talk at you manana.